This episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast is brought to you by the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. The Roanoke Pinball Museum is an interactive museum dedicated to the science and history of pinball. Their mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball, while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. The museum is open every day except Monday and houses over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. Roanoke Pinball Museum, your world under glass awaits. Welcome to a very special episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Friday, December 5th? No. 6th. 6th. The 6th. Mr. Tony. And Ah. this is episode 103. Yes. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis, and we are joined by a special guest. Versus a regular guest. No, all our guests are special. But this one is very special because he is in all the way from Roanoke, Virginia, Mr. Nick Shell of the Roanoke Pinball Museum now. Yes, indeed. Executive Welcome, Director it's, of Pinball. Never you have re- business cards? I, I, I wow. do, actually. Right. I feel I, no, I feel weak because at this point we've got Executive Director, Executive Director, and I'm just a superintendent. Well, but that sounds. Fair. Remember, it was the superintendent who got to control when the snow days were when we were That's growing true. up as kids for well, school. What do you think an executive director of pinball does? I untangle Nintendo controller cords, uh, clean the bathroom if there is an accident during business hours. Uh, have to restock uh, popcorn and make popcorn things. So it is. It is. It's it not. As, it, awesome. It's not as Wall Street as the title might <laughs> imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mostly you know. untangle feuding <laughs> yeah. government officials. Like, come on, guys. We're all on the same team. <laughs> no, give me money. That's, that's what it is. It's that and grant writing. That's what it's become. And I mostly stare at, at test results and go, why Science. is that doing that? Can, You're like a CSI Get another montage. sample and run it again because that doesn't even make sense. So really, it's you two guys, and then I'm just mine's just a title only. I'm really just, they're all pretty much <laughs> yeah. titles. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you've been on the show before. This is back when you were doing the Knicks North American EM Pinball Tour. I don't know if that was all the right words in the title in the right order. That's fine. It's, there's still a Google cache or website out there about it, right. I'm sure. But you, went, ar- side, you yeah. went around on, mm-hmm. on a mission. You were a man with a mission, and that was to educate the masses of pinball enthusiasts on how to do EM maintenance. Indeed, it was a sharing economy, travel across the United States, and teach people about their games and get them running, and uh, then go on my way. So uh, it was the Johnny Appleseed of EM pinball maintenance, indeed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a fun way to put it. And now here you are with your own station, if you will, uh, or hub. We like to go with the hub and spoke. I heard a lot about hub and spokes today, so we're going a little hub, <laughs> and now we got, and the people will be the spokes to your hub. Um, and we're, we'll want to explore some of that in a little bit. I, we have one news item that I figured we should go ahead and get out of the way. Everyone else has been touching on it. Of course. So, and that is the announcement by Spooky Pinball that the next pinball machine that they will be putting out will be Rick and Morty, which apparently is a famous theme. I've not seen an episode of Rick and Morty. Tony, I, have you? Oh yeah, no, I, I, I own all of the seasons that have been released so far. So do you, wow. do you think it's a good thing? 
Yeah, I think it's an excellent thing. And will you be buying it? Oh, I, I, I've got three on order. Okay. Because there are only no. 750 available. And I've got three on order. There are only 747 available. And there you go. Oh, I wish I had three on I wish I had one on I wish I had anything on I wish I had a place to put a machine right now. You, all you have to do is re- do a little bit of rearrangement in that Rick and Morty. I, I do a little right bit of rearrangement. It's real easy. I talk to a lawyer. I hand over the divorce no, papers. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Once it's there, just imagine it be like, oh, it's beautiful. Be well, fun. yes, that's what I would say. Yes. So, <laughs> and then you just have to carry that love. Like, ask Nick, how do you sell pinball to the masses, Nick? You sell pinball to the masses? Conceptually, well, not not literally for profit. Well, you have to, of course, have a place for them to play and interact with them and, and have communal experiences, I guess. Daddy-daughter bonding. There you that, go. That, 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 that's great. How, how does that work with somebody who gets headaches from flashing lights and monoclists? Well, they just don't play at the same time. Okay. Or you clip the wire to the flashers. What's the fun of that? And, and well, the sound. I, you got to shut off the sound, shut off the flashers. Just turn the volume down. Yeah. Easy. It's all that sounds, easy. That sounds real. It's that, all that easy. That sounds like a great plan. That's why. Just, that's what separate rooms are for. She, she she already shot down my plan to get bunk beds for the girls and move the girls from having their own separate rooms to living in one room so I could have a room to myself. That would have been pretty cool. But I, I know. Don't, but I don't it, entirely blame her. Uh, that was shot down. I tried. I floated it out there. I was like, look at these cool bunk beds I found. Da, da, da. Yeah, nope, nope. Anyway, uh, we haven't seen the layout yet, so there's not much else to say about Rick and Morty other than it, it is Scott Denise's game. So that's, Which that's means, confirmed. Yeah, I've got high hopes. So mm-hmm. obviously coming off of total nuclear annihilation, I think a lot of people have high hopes. Um, and we will see if he will, much like Elwin, have an excellent sophomore effort. It's got the possibility to be their best theme ever. Well, is it truly his sophomore effort? Because he also designed that uh, Bagatelle game before, the little... Um... Thank you answered your own question. We're talking about <laughs> pinball. Oh. <laughs> Soft... Okay. Look, I understand, that, I understand that Bagatelle is a pin game, but it is not pinball. There are many things that are not pinball. Bingos are not pinball. Horse race games are not pinball. And Bagatelles are neither baguettes or pinball. Thus, truly unworthy. And this is why Dennis is the uh, <laughs> voice the bad of cop versus the good cop because you are the I am the nice one on this show. <laughs> terminology. Oh. I am the nice one on this show. Well, you should see his facial expression. On the This Week in Pinball podcast, I'm the really nice yes. one. That's just, <laughs> you're just oh, you're you're just the nice one. You're you're the nice one. George Carlin talks about you. Got to watch the nice one. I don't remember it's that. The quiet one. one. No, I didn't remember that yeah, part of his yeah. bit. Yeah. It's been a long time. It was followed up with him saying a lot of words that I can't say on the show, talking about the the the, the loud, crazy one with lots of bad words that'll kill you. Yeah. But anyway, that's all I have about for spooky pinball. All right, so seven hundred and fifty machines. Yes, that, that will be the most of their their current lead. Uh, while they didn't put a limit on the run, is total nuclear annihilation, which sits at five hundred and fifty currently. Hmm. They had been talking about, and I'm guessing it's still intended at some stage. To do a second run of total nuclear annihilations. I, I don't think it was going to be a lot. I imagine it was going to be like another block of 50 TNAs or a hundred. That should make sense. And they talked about doing a few little different things. I had always assumed that the plan was going to be to do that once Alice Cooper's run was done and before Rick and Morty was ready and unveil Rick and Morty at TPF. Now, I guess that could still happen. I don't know when they're going to finish doing the Alice Coopers. The one thing that I'm curious about 
that we could you know, conceptualize about right now is, so is Spooky hiring or are they going to be building Rick and Morty's for over a year? Because my understanding was that they can put out 500 games a year. So if they're doing 750, either they've upped their capacity in some way or which was, I thought Charlie was indicating that he was done growing, that he liked his size. So either he did grow, his staff got more efficient, or this is going to be a run that will be longer than 12 months. Or it could be kind of a combination of... Yeah, yeah, we could do a... We could do a, a I'm part, sure this all point, part of the above, since, sure. since the new place was built, and they've had enough time to really get settled in, I'm sure efficiency is up. And they might run a little long. So. But we're still three digits, so it's not, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not like it's uh, still boutique. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And which I mean, and that fits with what I I don't ever envision Spooky Pinball moving beyond boutique unless there was some catastrophic shift in the market, like Stern got out of the game entirely, and it's like there's a vacuum, and then someone needs to fill it. But I can't really envision it. The yeah, market, I can't envision market, that at all. The market forces <laughs> that would allow that to happen and let other companies survive as well is beyond my understanding. But I am a simple executive director. So what do I, <laughs> what do I know? So Nick, most of the rest of this time, I think we're going to talk about you, the museum, EMs. Where would you like to start? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, so huh, let's see. I've been... At the museum now for almost two years, almost in another three months, it will have been a two year anniversary there. And this is my first time to run a, a public, uh, entertainment venue like this, where mm. it's a nonstop, you know, cavalcade of tourists and kids and families and late night people. And some people want to drink. There's all different kinds of groups that come in. So I'm getting a crash course in, uh, kind of what Tim Arnold always hints at whenever you visit him at the Pinball Hall of Fame and you uh, see him come out of the back and he's like, what do you want? His hair's all straggly <laughs> and he gives you that thousand yard stare and he's like, yeah, pinball's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 hours a week. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's hardcore, but he does his homework. You know, Tim really is, he, he, I mean, he's doing it. He has the Pinball Hall of Fame as a success, you know, because I mean, he's going, got a million, two million, three million flush, something yep. like that. He's yeah, expanded that, that expansion is, is a um, massive testament to his business savvy. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be the, the, the pinball, um, mecca of America uh, once it gets built. I mean, maybe of the wild could be the entire way. Certainly being anchored to, uh, the strip makes going to Vegas that much better because, mm. you know, um, and think how much, you know, how much more tourist pinballers, as you are a term that you are, I know you are fond of, uh, will encounter it because the fact that it is off the strip right now does suppress that casual turnout. Well, yes, the Rona Pinball Museum is an official sponsor of the new and improved Pinball Hall of Fame, as many of you oh, are uh, as well out there who have made donations hmm. to, uh, to Tim and, you know, once this is done, we all need to support him because this is the main portal through which people all over the world, because Vegas attracts people from all over the world in great numbers, will this is their portal to pinball. This is gonna be it. And so, you know yeah, this is this is the big banner to wave. So we all gotta definitely get behind him and support this because uh it's going to trickle down to not that I believe that that's how 
economies mm. necessarily benefit everybody, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a different discussion altogether. But, um, that's yes. For our other podcast, the yes. Eclectic Politics Podcast. <laughs> eclectic <laughs> yes. Economics. That's right. Uh, I don't know if, yeah, Reaganomics necessarily works for pinball. Who knows? But certainly this will benefit uh, all of us by raising the profile of pinball globally and nationally. So this is a, this is a really exciting thing that's going on. So anyway, um, Roanoke Pinball Museum, I get a, I'm getting a little taste of that. You know, last year I probably worked 70 hours a week, um, without a break. And so, um, of course, a lot of that was turning the museum around. When I got there, I don't know how many of you actually seen Roanoke Pinball Museum doesn't, it hasn't really had a big profile. You know, you know, the Pinball Hall of Fame, you know, Arcade Expo, you know, the, the, uh, um, Clay's, um, uh, VWF, uh, collection right. up in Ann Arbor. Pacific Pinball Museum. Pacific Pinball Museum. I mean, there's, you know, dozens of silver ball, you know, but Roanoke has always been like, kind of. So my goal has been to raise the profile to be at least competitive with some of these destinations. And that's required just a massive amount of effort to, I mean, you know, rebuild everything on the floor. I mean, there has been, when I got there, the games were, uh, they were okay. I'd say the lowest 20% were not working at all. The next 20%, not all the features worked. The next 20% features worked, but the lights were out or the flippers were weak. Next 20% were, you know, mostly passable, pretty good condition. Maybe back glass was cracked or there's some other little things. And then the final top 20 were brand new games. So of course they worked. So it was really kind of a, it was okay, but it really wasn't competitive with, you know, Silver Ball you know, Esprit Park or Delray Beach or any of these places. So, so I've been working to raise the profile, make our games bright and clean and, uh, you know, proactively kind of rebuilding stuff. And, and we're now we're, we've got a really nice collection and it's, it's, it's flipping pretty well, but, uh, boy, that, uh, so what I've learned is just that you, it's like, if you, if you, you know, if you have a private collection and you're maintaining it in your basement, that is one thing, but, Keeping them running, it's like bailing water out on the Titanic. I mean, mm. you just cannot stop or the whole thing will collapse. And there's, there's really no one, you know, if, unless you, if either of you guys worked in like a restaurant industry or anything like that. Yep. Tony's nodding and said yes. So I have not. You, you, yeah. you yeah. just have to be there every day or it will come apart. Yep. yep. No, that's where I started. Yeah. So it's a frenetic, it's a, it's an entertainment public facing deal. So. Um, I don't know what your original question was, but uh, well, yeah, it was, it was sort of the, that, that was the setup <laughs> on terms of mm-hmm. your experience of getting to the Roanoke Pinball Museum, and I'll well use is we kind of dived into that on the context of casual pinball players, tourist pinball players, uh, the idea of turning them into actual players, or what you would I believe term as turning a tourist into a player. Now you've been doing some interesting experiments, and I know your numbers have been improving since you been tracking them. I don't know if they kept numbers from before your time or not, uh, what your, what your analytic range is. When you do a polynomial trend on that or not, mm-hmm. will be up to the listeners, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, for example, you were telling before we went on air about, uh, Fascination, the parlor game that you have modeled and are now doing a variant of for nefarious pinball purposes. So could you just explain Ooh, that? Nefarious. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, fascination. Uh, I asked, uh, you know, Dennis, Tony, neither of you have heard of that before, right? No. That, okay. I've heard of an EM called Fantastic. 
You have to say it like that. Do not yes, spell. fantastic. Yes, with I the like dash. that game. It is. You do. Yeah. A fan of the middle pop. Uh, yeah. Is that Norm uh, Clark? Yeah. I felt like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So great designer. Yes, indeed. But uh, no, fascination. Probably uh, only a few people listening to this will even know what that is. But uh, and I think there's only one place left in the United States that does does it. But what, what fascination? You. Well. That was my dream. I wanted to open a, a, uh, fascination parlor. And, um, you know, this is before I got into pinball. I was like, maybe we can resurrect this, but here's what it is, folks. It's like, it would be so hip now to do this. It's like a, you remember, um, the, I, I guess you remember back in the, you guys went to Dave and Buster's and earned the ticket game, play the ticket games, right? Didn't we had, we had so many. We had, we were more showbiz, Chuck yeah. E. Cheese. Yeah. Era. We didn't get a Dave and Buster's until about. 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I've been there, but it's but, all yeah. cards and stuff now. Yeah, they, but there used to be this game called Poker Roll. It was like this sort of skee-ball game, but at the end of the field was like a five-by-five five grid of, of poker cards. Mm-hmm. And you had like five little rubber balls, and you roll them down, and then whatever hand you get like determines how many tickets you right, win. Right. You know? So um, what fascination is, it's a, it's a room full of these things, maybe 24 or 30 of them, and there's an MC at the end of the hallway. And um, instead of poker hands, there's like a blank sort of signboard with the tic-tac-toe grid. And the MC would call out, okay, we're going to, uh, first person to get the big X is going to get the prize. And it is a gambling, part gambling, part skee-ball, part you can drink. It's like a, you, you basically, so the game starts and the first person out of these 24 to get the pattern correct by rolling these little balls down, kind of like those derby games you've seen with the horse race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you roll it. It's like that, but glorified to the next level. Um, so it's this big competitive room full of people. And, uh, and you win a cash prize. A little bit goes to the house. The rest goes to the winner. And then you have another game, another pattern. And there's lights and music and craziness. And it's sort of like, um, I, I, it's more fun than a slot machine because you're, you're some skill involved and you're playing with other people and it's better than bingo because it's not just calling out the numbers. You're, it's your skill is kind of involved. So yeah. So, um, so I thought, you know, this seems like this could be like a hipstery kind of thing, but it must be massively illegal because you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, wow. you're gambling and there's these old antiquated laws about pinball type gambling parlors, whatever. So, so what I'm doing at the Roanoke Museum is, you know what? I've got a bunch of games on the floor. We just got a PA system installed and all this. So I'm doing contests that are kind of in the spirit of those old uh, fascination parlors. So I, I will, for example, the other night, um, we have these little souvenir posters that we've, uh, had this custom artwork on. And I said, okay, the first person to get a hundred thousand points on either Captain Fantastic, Wizard, or Old Chicago will win our souvenir poster. And I say this over the crowd and those three games get hammered and people are screaming and they are so into it. Like I've never seen this level of engagement in, well, I mean, pinball, sometimes even tournaments aren't this animated, but it, it, yeah, well, we can be a lethargic, bunch, yeah, but. kind of just in your, in your zone and whatever, but, it's um, so wrong. <laughs> and we all have headphones in, so we didn't hear your announcement. <laughs> well, so the, so, the, so people are just, they're, they're just cranking away on these games and, um, 
And what's, what I'm doing is, that's to come full circle to your original question, is we have to, we meaning you and me and everybody who's in the hobby, we have to both introduce new people to the hobby and we also have to just nudge them into being players from just tourists. Like the tourists who come into the building, uh, they're there to like press buttons and go, oh, this is pinball. And they look at the lights and they go, oh, that one lights up. Cool. And they play one ball and they go to the next machine. Oh, that one has a, a hand. Adam's fan. That's cool. Okay. Whatever. And they're not really playing. They're just sort of, it's just a stimulation machine. But with this, with this contest where people have some economic, you know, you know, motivation on the line here they just their dopamine receptors just go crazy and they are you know they're transformed into players because now they're looking at the game like what do i have to do to get a hundred thousand points like oh yeah those lanes if you get both those you get the double bonus oh so you get the and and i that's happening or you know kind of um organically i'm not having to tell people about it. and i will of course hover them and say oh and uh, what's your name, Ben? Hey, Ben here. Yeah, I see he's got the double double bonus up there, lanes A and B, and that's kind of so the you're secret to this game. It the yes, there's a live time. MC. I'm giving them a kind of I'm kind of curating the experience for people. I'll say, oh hey, Elizabeth over there. Yeah, she just got the spinner let up. Yeah, that's 100 points per spin. So that's a good. Idea. And that gets people thinking about what they're doing. So if we can tilt people <laughs> into becoming nudge them towards <laughs> oh, becoming that's so that's, uh, you know, that's an edit edit that your your entire everything <laughs> the damage is done <laughs> but they're becoming players that's the good thing is now you know on the one their way out um, I'll just say you know we have a sign up sheet for our tournaments and make sure if you've enjoyed tonight, we do play for money. And I'm getting signups on the tournaments and then they're telling their friends and the social media thing. So there, so if we can make this a social experience that people are not able to have, um, any other way, um, you know, pinball has that opportunity. We just have to drive it. I don't, I don't think it's enough. Just put the machines out and just hope that people get it. You know, they just, you know, it, it's, they're competing with, um, you know, phones and video games and all this other type of attention. So if we can um, leverage pinball into a new um, kind of entertainment paradigm like that, where we turn it into a curated social experience, uh, it it does become something new and, and people are really digging it. Have you tracked uh, your attendance figures pre and post the, this, this fascination aspect? Uh, no, that's, this is too new. So yeah, I, it sounded I, yeah. fairly new, but I, mm-hmm. I was curious if it had gone long enough. Now you've also been doing like a, a pinball game show though. Well, that's, that's what and this that's is. All, that is what this have is. you done any others, any other styles? Like, so was it this where you had your PA system incident? Correct. This is, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> which uh, Tony and I read about on yeah. social media. Would you, would you, would you be so kind as to elaborate for the audience who's not like, what are they talking about? Because for some reason they're not following the Roanoke Pinball Museum on Facebook.com, which well, is their loss. Well, I didn't post about this on our, of course, our they should company be following page, you know. Facebook.com. <laughs> well, it just so happens that um, some of you probably have a sure microphone, those little wireless mics, and when they come from the factory, uh, the default channel is A1. A lot of people will just pull that out of the box, plug it in, and start using it. Incidentally, A1. my favorite steak sauce. But it now we need Nick to has this you look of like, show. you mass generic P.O.S. It's all right. Living in Kansas, what are we, you talking we, about? I have to get out there. Make sure you understand this. Yep. Your steak requires salt, pepper, 
fire. You don't put things on steak. If it's a bad steak, you do. If it's a bad steak, go eat something else. Yeah. Too much work was done. Yeah. But, wait, sorry. Mm-hmm. So, A1, not the steak sauce, on the default <laughs> PA system. Yes, indeed. Uh, the, the, um, the default was, um, the, the, the people who set up our system for us had also left it on A1. I didn't realize that, um, that was the case. And so, um, for a few days, I had been doing these little contests and tournaments, but then late one night, um, I was kind of by myself and kind of testing the levels, and I went into this sort of uh, improvisational pinball comedy act where, um, for a company of just me and a coworker, and we were just kind of playing off each other about, you know, what would Eddie Vedder sound like as a, a, <laughs> a pinball, um, you know, referee, and like no one would know what he said. <laughs> And I, I, did I foul or not? Yeah. And then another was like the how to how to um, maintain your privacy and def- and deflect people um, away who annoy you from Colossomy Bag University One Hundred One. <laughs> um, so just and all this and then just sound effects and noises and kind of non PC stuff. And the phone rings and of course it's somebody says, uh, "Hey, is this the Pinball Museum?" I'm like, yeah. He says, um, you, um, you're, you're, are you broadcasting right now? I'm like, yeah, who is this? He goes, well, this is Three Notch, the brewery uh, restaurant across the street. Yeah. You're like, yeah, we can hear everything you're doing in here. And we're all laughing and I can hear laughter on the phone. I'm like, oh my God, this has been going on for days. This has been going on not knowing. So anyway, just anyway. I walk over there. I'm like, "Hey, everybody!" Of course, everybody's like, "Yeah, you know, you do, 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 yeah, yeah. do, like, do the thing, do the thing." So, uh, small town, pretty funny. Uh, anyway, so now I'm that guy. But mm. um, anyway, um, so we got that that worked out. But uh, if you ever want to have fun and you have a sure mic, just drive through a downtown uh, kind of club district, bar district. Set your little sure mic to A1 and just start and just seeing what you get because you're probably going to. It's time to bust out the Tom Jones. (laughs) 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 Drinks on the house. Don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) Anyway, so. Hey, you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You. (laughs) Well, Ned, this is a surprise to you, but you'll notice I have that notepad beside you. That's because. Oh, no. You are a, a pinball expert. We did oh, not no. do this the last time you were on. I know what so this is. I want to play 20 questions. Yeah, that's what I thought. I knew you That's right. It's time for 20 questions. Dun, 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 this podcast. Great. For the listeners who do not always know what I'm about to do, and 20 questions, Nick will ask me a series of yes or no questions. It will be about a flipper pinball machine. It will be one that I know he has played, because I know all. Okay. My eye, lidless, wreathed in flame. If you do not get it by the 15th question, you may use your phone, okay. phone a friend for Tony's laptop to borrow, and um, and continue to ask yes or no questions, and I'm sure you'll get it by question 20, because you know a lot about pinball. I really enjoy um, listening to you guys hash it out, so this is great. Now, um, first of all, has anyone ever gotten it in one guess? No. No. Okay. I had a chance for it. So I'm going to try and just throw it out there just in case. I, I respect it. Okay. Is it 2001? No. Okay. Got That's it. question one. Okay. So we had to do that. Um, and also, you guys are asking the wrong questions when you ask, is it, and this is not my question, by the way, I can say, is it a, when you say, is it a Bally or is it a Williams, you could say, 
is it from a manufacturer with a letter higher in the alphabet than M, then you have just ruled out Gottlieb and Bally and separate films. Or, or I, I do like no. someone who's yeah. not yet won the game saying <laughs> what could be done better. It's fascinating. Strategy. Well, it's just, well, that's understandable from everybody listening <laughs> a, to me fumble through yeah. my. Well, it's, a, it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see what they <laughs> for. All right. Uh, first of all, is it an EM? Yes, I knew it would be. Oh, nice. <laughs> you should have. That would have been no, okay, great. No, sad about it. No, 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 this is great. No, no, I love my EMs. It's not out of family. It's so sad. No, thank you. I love my EMs. No, here's the thing, though. It can't be a wood rail, right? You're not going to do that to me. Because nobody knows all the wood rails. I mean, I don't even... I, I guess I have to ask. I have no idea what it is. Is it a wood railer earlier? No. Okay, thank you for not doing that to me. I have like, some standards. It's, you know, it's 1913 Melba toast. That's my favorite wood rail. You know, well, no, I said it would be a flipper yeah. pinball machine. Yes, you can't okay, go too far. All right. Come thank on, you. Thank you. On. I, uh. Rockola. Excuse yeah, Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Skipping stone, like across the river. That's, that's the theme. That's like, the you know, theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay. So, so I've asked two. One just rhetorical. No, you asked three. I have. 2001. Yes. Oh, is it an EM? Anyway. That's right, my first guess. And the wood rail one is just... That's why you have a notepad so you can keep track of what I you I don't want it. I'm not going to... Oh, I won't, too, I won't sully. Too good. Yeah, too good. I don't need that. I'm Wichita not too State good University for that. All right, so uh, let's see. What's the best way to divide and conquer the vast uh, world of EM potential? Okay. Um, well, I, I have to probably... Well, it's either going to be um, 60s or 70s. That's 50-50 cost. That's not very good. Um, okay. How about, um, is it a one-player game? Yes. Okay. Is it Wedgehead? Yes. Yes. It yes. Is, yes. Yes. Okay. It is Wedgehead. Yes. Okay. That's question five. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the community. Sometimes I... I <laughs> anyway. I, yeah. I get I get some flack for picking on the wedge hands. Wedge hands aren't the best. They're not the best. They're okay. They're all right. There's some great wedge hands out there, truly. But if you only have wedge heads in your collection, then I, that's just I'm just saying you're missing out on a lot of other good games that aren't wedge heads. But whatever. Well, who cares? Um, they are they are special in their own way. So wedge heads. Um, well, that that could be anything from 1960 all the way up to 1978. I think so. And Gottlieb, so there's only about 200, and 200 of them, something like that. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's not... Uh, if only there were other things that could be used to narrow it down. I know. So okay, strange. so... All right, so uh, I know years are always... All right, is it a 1960s? Yes. Okay, thank you. Great, okay. Um, is it a card theme? Yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. All right. Dineros. Yeah, because Gottlieb had so few <laughs> card games in the sixties. Um, didn't no, have a pinball. I think there was an excellent question. All right, is it Sweethearts? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Wow. There you go. That was good job. Oh um, man. Question eight. Yeah. Blam 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 blam. Yep. Okay. I picked it because I knew you loved it. Yeah, so much. I called Sweetheart. Sweetheart. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, I had to look at the back box because and I, I only almost remember, guessed that because as I only first remember one. the uh, yeah. the 
the play field in the upper portion, which is just those bagatelles, all those bagatelles. And I, as I recall, you once described it as a playing field the size of a piece of toast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that has, I've carried that with me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, I think that was on the uh, Slam Tilt guys. I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably was. That's right. Yeah, so, they, eighth yeah. is an excellent placement. So, you did that very is well. Really good. Well, really, you. really good. Thank you very much. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to our, our website where I keep the listings and you will be on there because uh, Nick Baldridge was challenged to 20 questions when he was on this show and I cannot remember if you did better than him or not. So I'm looking <laughs> under my records to be able to see which which cuisine reigns supreme. But could have been six if I had just not thrown out the first one and... Hey, 2001 wasn't a, wasn't, wasn't, a yeah. bad, wasn't a bad one to go. I think that's my, that's you my favorite. You did beat him. It yep. took him nine. Oh. Well, I used sing-along. The, uh, good one. Ooh. The rare, the, 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 that's probably going to be my only win against Baldridge in anything EM land, but still, I'll take it. <laughs> you might be able to outplay him. I don't know, because mm. I don't know how it plays. I'm, I'm yeah. totally speculating. I've lost to mm. you many times on EMs, and on non-EMs for that matter, so I'm like... Yeah, we've been here no. talking about EMs before. I remember, uh, like, uh, talking about what Zale and Krinsky, and I know, um, you were talking, and yeah, uh, 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 Cosmos, is that a Zale game? Yes. Yeah. Sir. And then, yes, and then, uh, Tony's favorite was Gator or whatever. What was it? Uh, um, Campus Queen. Which Campus Gator Queen, yeah. is yeah, yeah, a, 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 that's right. That's right. That's the zipper version yeah. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What was it about Campus Queen? resonated with you as because it is you've mentioned that one a lot yeah it's it's one of my grail pens um and the reason is is it's the only pen that i've played where when i sat down and first started playing it i was like screw this game this is the dumbest game ever it's terrible <laughs> Which why would you ever all, play this grails game begin uh, stupid grail yeah. and then i played it again because <laughs> it was a tournament and i was and my score was terrible and i played it again and I played it again, and I played it again, and then I was out of the tournament, and then the tournament was op- over, and it was on free play, so I played it again, and I played it again, and I played it again, I'm like, holy crap, why do I keep coming to this stupid <laughs> game? And then I played it again, and then I played it again, it's like, you know what, I actually kind of like this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it's it, trying to tell people which game should I keep and what should I sell, I said, keep the ones you play. What? Good and advice. Yeah. Good advice. That's what I've had to do to start winnowing down my own mm-hmm. uh, assortment of games, which is why it's like, you know, I'm down to eight now. I'm still stuck with, uh, I shouldn't say stuck. Right? That's Jack, really Jack's bad. Open is probably the next one to go. That's why it's in the garage. But yeah. it's like, I didn't decide. To, I gave it out to Casey GameCon for them to use in the tournament. And so it's like, I wasn't going to do anything with it until after that because I'd already committed months ago. So it's like, well, now it just sort of sits there. Uh, but it's yeah. got the best soundtrack. Now that's one where, see, I thought about writing to Josh Sharp, president of the International Flipper Pinball Association, and telling him I want in the rules uh, headphones to be banned. <laughs> I want sunglasses banned. I want basically everything that I don't use banned. Uh, and no headlamps. No he- no headlamps. I actually really liked it when at the at, at our Kansas City Championship Pinball. I thought it was fun. One of the players was using a headlamp, and you could always tell where he was looking because of it. Yes. I found that yes. really but interesting. I do not use a headlamp, so banned, banned. And then, but the thing is, Jacks to open with its default ditty, which I when I got the game, it was turned off. So oh, I so have, you have it. Yes, 
And I have not seen, I think I saw it once at a pinball show, but I have not, um. Well, we'll load it up. You can take it to the museum right now. There you go. <laughs> well, if you want to take well, a look at success. it, we can pause real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, sure. that, that's a lot like, yeah. yeah, I wanted to see that one. Okay. So we've actually paused the podcast <laughs> for a little bit. And that was because we had a surprise for Tony. And I'm going to drop the audio in right now. And the distance vision thing as well. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Jack's to open. Yeah, yeah, that is a good game. Oh, no. Oops. So, um, I, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about. <laughs> forgot about. <laughs> Surprise. Merry Christmas. <laughs> It's your, it's your campus queen. <laughs> you forgot about it with the camera running. Yeah, with the camera running in my hand. Ah, that's awesome. Then the back glass looks really good too. You know which one this is? The one that he bought in Tulsa? Yeah. Because I was almost brought it up when we were telling you bought campus queen up. Because <laughs> I because I almost went to that auction and then I was like, I can't, I can't, I, I can't do it. So you're worrying me with the last broadcast that you did. You're like, I don't have any room in my house. I was like, like, machine. I'm like Dennis, are you sure? If, if it's here, life finds a way. And yeah. If, and if you need some time, I've got enough space. You can keep it here for you. Yeah, no, I've got spots. Merry Christmas, Tony. Thank you. That's uh, awesome. Right. Uh, <laughs> technically, That was a nice, subtle yeah. pull down, by the way, too. Yeah. I and I almost didn't come downstairs because I yeah. almost went and got a drink. <laughs> And we are back, so now everyone knows that Tony is the proud new owner of a campus queen. So, uh, yeah, Tony, I'm, what are your thoughts? Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. And I, I mean, and how many people get their very first pinball machine is their Grail machine? Because I've said in the thing, it's my Grail machine for a long time now. So, um, yeah, well, thank you, obviously. And I've said it down below. I'm sure the other audio caught some of it, and this and that. That's just, I'm just, I'm. I'm in shock, and it's awesome, and thank you. And thanks to to, uh, to Dennis as well for conspiring to uh, spring the trap. So, the yeah, right I, I suppose for now that the cat, or in this case the campus, is literally <laughs> out of the bag. Oh, the dad jokes are so heavy. <laughs> um, that this has been in the works for months. Really? Since the summer. Really? Very few people knew, for obvious reasons, for Made sure everything was was coming to fruition. But Nick actually reached out to me over the summer and said, uh, I've been thinking about, I have this campus queen that I got for the museum, but we have other stuff on the floor. And do you think Tony would like this? I was like, well, I mean, yeah, it's a grail, but, <laughs> but I mean, you know, just let me know. I mean, he's, you know, he's not looking to buy a pin right now. And it's like, no, 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 it would be, we'd give it to him. That'd be the plan. It's like, okay, well, that does make it more affordable. So factoring that in, I think the odds are probably pretty good that he would accept it. You have no idea the fear when he heard a couple episodes ago, you going on and on about how you just could not have a pinball machine in the house. He's like, oh my God. And I'm like, don't worry. Life finds a way. Oh yeah. The dinosaurs have taught me that is, there's no room to buy it. Yes. This is different. This is different. This is okay. this, is, so, this can be made to work. This so, this can this yeah. can be yeah. I knew it was actually the summer because when I was at Carrie Wing's birthday party pinball tournament, she always has a pinball tournament in conjunction with her birthday in the summer. 
And when I was at that, she mentioned that there was a campus queen nearby that she was going to, that she was communicating with you about. And so I took her aside during the tournament and her, and I think there was one other area player. And I told them, actually, I'm in discussions with Nick Shell out of Roanoke about getting Tony the campus queen from them. So don't tell him about any more deals. Yeah, because <laughs> the one they told me about was in Houston, mm-hmm. and that was that was what broke. It's like it's like I just can't go to Houston for a pinball machine, even though the price is and really like, good. Really, and I said nothing is set in stone yet. It's just we're in these discussions right now to see if we can arrange it. It's going to work out. It makes sense for the museum, and of course, uh, as part of this, as a thank you. Uh, on our behalf to you and the Roanoke Pinball Museum yeah. for such a, a generous gift. Uh, we are making a major exception and Roanoke Pinball Museum will be listed officially as our sponsor for the next year. I've actually recorded a half dozen bumpers already. Wow. To run through. That should be sufficient. They get, and everyone who has heard this episode at the start heard that sponsorship bumper before our music. And I will rotate through those, and that will be enough to basically do a quarter, and then we'll recycle. And they go from me just doing it clean to pretty goofy. So <laughs> it ranges. They range from 30 seconds to almost a minute, depending on the voice work. Where is the pinball at? I did not do that one. <laughs> I did not do that one. However, the Palpatine is pretty bad. Let's just put it that way. I'll just say the museum has had no uh, prior approval or input as to Dennis's impressions. This is completely his... I still maintain a certain degree of creative freedom with sponsorship arrangements. I would like to point out that for uh, Zach Minnie with Flipping Out Pinball, wanting to know what does it take to get sponsorship with EGP, you now know. (laughs) Tony also has Attack from Mars as a grail. So, I'm just saying, hey, hey, you want to know the terms, there you go. You see, the gauntlet has been laid down out of Rowan. That's, That's how it is. So, uh, Campus Queen, Ted Zale game, um, 1964, I think? 66, I 66, yeah. okay. See, this is where I should have pulled it up, but of course, we were playing 12 questions. And I, had and I knew it was Campus Queen, just like, oh, Gator, oh, it was... Uh, yes, um, you're right, 66, yeah. 1,125 mm-hmm. units, mm-hmm. so not a very high... Per- I mean, back then, you didn't have like 5,000 unit runs usually, but that's still not mm-hmm. all that high of an amount. Of course, there was Shiva as well, which I've seen. And then the Gator, which is the the zipper flipper. And apparently, I see the IPDB has a notation that a special version was made for Germany. I don't know if it had a different name or not. No, but it was in German. German language is on it. Mm. Um, oh, like so, the playfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Kugel im Spell. Uh, mm. back class, German back class. Yeah, and he knows German, so mm. that, that's also good. So that's about it, because I can <laughs> read it and I pronounce it He knew it that terrible. much German, and that was it. So... so. Anyway, right. um, I, I, I don't even know. That, I don't even know. It's, it's, this, this is why he's in town. That's awesome. That I'm just, so I, I, just, I knew we were, we we're shooting for early December yeah. and we finally knew what dates it would be. And that's why I was like, Hey, Tony, can you record the podcast? And, and, and I was like, if he if he catches on, it's like, why he's asking, why is he in Kansas? And you say, well, he's on his way to Dallas. And I'm like, uh, Kansas isn't exactly you're just on a buying on spree, like you do. You, uh, yeah, yeah, you pen folk. You you tr- yeah. 
you have traveled enough that yeah. honestly, I was. I've never even thought about it. Yeah. It I, didn't even cross no, my mind. I was never worried that he would wonder why you were in the area because your pattern has been there is no pattern. I just go on right. where there are interstates is your pattern. Yeah. So I wasn't overly concerned, but yeah. the excuses about picking up stuff from Dallas, but maybe you were going to stop for another auction in Oklahoma, and you just figured you might as well come in and spend a couple of days here because we're such a fun podcast. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of easy excuses. And, and and all that was really was like, cool, we get to see Nick again. Awesome. <laughs> Plus, he was dropped no hints. Like, I have not talked to him about Candace Queen since we had these discussions. Yeah, this is yeah, great. Yeah. And, and so it was all, to, you know, we got to go. We got to go under the barbed wire here. Not the premiere of Barbed Wire, which would have been a terrible, like, you, and you would now be sp- sponsoring us. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be sponsoring you. Something like that. The second round's like, no, don't give me that one. I don't I had a bad experience with Barbed Wire, so I still pulled the grudge. But, um. And then Carrie didn't mention anything, and who else? Oh, no. Would, who yeah, else yeah no, I can't remember who else was, who was, uh, with us. It might have been, I, I don't remember who, who it was. It might have been Nick or Steve or someone. That, Mark, I've Mark. Had, uh, I, whoever it was, I just remember go, I think they said, cool. <laughs> but, I said, uh, but, yeah. but I said, don't let him know. Just don't let him know. I don't know. Uh, you know, this is still, we were, we knew it was months out still. So it's like, I don't, if anything can't work out, I don't want to, you know, plant a seed and then it spreads and then it doesn't work out the way it was. It's better to just let it be a surprise. Uh, and that was, well, the door opened up and, we wa- and I walked in and I didn't even notice it for the first second. I'm like, huh? And then I just did this and they're holding the camera. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Held it way too low because I was like, I'm trying to keep it kind of out of the way. It would be like this parents on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we gave you up for adoption. I'm like, no. <laughs> we gave you no, we adoption. adopted you. That's the one. So, that's, the so, one. that's the happy one. So uh, I, I guess this would be the bad time to point out that if you you, know, you have a full streaming rig that you could have literally just put down there and just had that court. In fact, uh, <laughs> I did consider that, uh, except I just figured it'd be easier than I would know with the. I mean, I could stream the game. My actually, when I mentioned over Thanksgiving when getting stuff and cleaning the garage out, and my dad had asked me about coming over to work on something, I said, told him about this. His suggestion was I set up the same streaming rig. And then let Nick have a computer and just turn it and point to what appears to be a photo of Campus Queen. And then it actually be, no, no, that's your Campus Queen. We're streaming it oh, now. That's pretty good. That's a pretty cool idea. But, I but it's in Roanoke. I don't want to move it. But I don't want to move it. I don't want to move it. But it's still in Roanoke. If you get it yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, we got to get to yeah. it. Meanwhile, anyway. That's just that's like, was this the game you, you was your grail? Or the idea would be like, is this the game looking at it and then you see Nick appear in the camera and start playing? It's like, where'd Nick go? I thought he was going to the bathroom. It's like, nope. Oh, I guess it must be downstairs. What a miracle. That's just, yeah, that's. So we only have one more segment. <laughs> we still have one more thing. This was an idea uh, that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Nick's glorious idea, of course. Uh, and you wanted to have a little discussion about audio headspace. And this came up in the context of that there's a difference in experience related to sound when you're playing a game like Campus Queen, an electromechanical game, be it one like that one with bells or be it yeah. one with chimes, versus and your emphasis was very much, I'd, I'll see, I put down in my notes solid state, but it's actually modern, like, especially once the early nineties hit, uh, DMD era hit, and there started to be all this music and call outs. 
What do you mean by that? Because you clearly favor one over the other. Uh, Meaning EM noises. That you think that the audio headspace that EM creates is, and I guess my impression from what you told me the other day was that it's more conducive to a, a good social environment than what happens around modern Well, it's different. Um, okay, so the, the audio headspace, what does that mean? Well, uh, let's just start with, you know, your five senses, you know, touch, taste, smell, uh, whatever. Uh, the most important of the five senses relative to pinball is sound. If you play a pinball machine and it's making no sounds, it just is unplayable. You just don't. Tony seems to do well with this episode. I love headphones. But, but you are hearing something. Jump on. You're just I'm hearing something. I can't... I Now, I have talked to people who put headphones in with nothing playing just to drown everything out. Mm-hmm. I tried it once. Really messed my flow up. Real bad. So you have to have something kicking around in your head right. on an audio level that, that connects you to what's going on. And, and uh, I think that uh, sound is the most important element um, in pinball of the senses that engage you because it's a, it's a little theater that happens in your mind. And, and uh, so what you hear is what, even when you walk away from the game, those noises, those call outs, they still kind of rattle around in your head a little bit longer than something you see, you know, or something you touch. So, uh, so why is this relevant? Um, Pinball, we talk about the social aspect of pinball a lot. You know, it's, it's, better than video games because we're all on our feet and we're all kind of rubbing elbows one another and we're playing this game in this kind of social environment, right? That's kind of one of the advantages that pinball offers is that it's it's kind of social. Well, that's what Tony you always know? cites uh, from tournaments. His favorite part is the social experience. Yeah, yeah. and it is. It's a social experience and not, I mean, just uh, fixing them and part trading and buying and selling aside, you know, the actual playing of a kind of a multiplayer game. You take your turn, I take my turn, mm-hmm. and you get a little smack talk, I get a little smack yep. talk. And I do and prefer kind of, playing multiplayer you know. to single. That's why when I say, like, I am looking for a zipper flipper, you know, so I only name multiplayer ones. I don't, I don't right. want a single player. Exactly. I, I favor multiplayers too for that very reason is that the, the, the multiplayer aspect of it is a much, much stronger social experience than waiting for one person to finish their entire game <clears throat> and then the next person plays their entire mm-hmm. game. So, they they cycle much better. They're much sorry, better. sorry, sweethearts. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean the one player games are fine, but um, they're they're great. But if we're talking about the social dynamics of pinball, uh, the the audio that you hear uh, is is kind of a is 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 kind of the um, the glue that kind of holds it all together. So let me explain. Um, if you were in an arcade with a bunch of pinball machines, and let's say they're all Stearns, you know, they're all let's say you have your Iron Maiden and, and, and Star Trek and Ripley's Believe It or Not and Monopoly. Then everybody's in their own sort of audio world. Like uh, Tony's going to be on Star Trek completing the Save the Enterprise, and you're going. To, Dennis is going to be on Iron Maiden uh, doing the you know one minute to two minutes to midnight. So so everyone kind of even though we're standing together and playing pinball and we're all in the same room, the game itself is sort of dividing up our attention. A little bit more than if, for example, they were all EMs. EMs don't have their own soundtrack. They only have the chimes and bells. And so a room full of EMs is more, is a more harmonic thing. They're, they're all operating in harmony. And so everyone's sort of headspace is shared with EMs 
in a way that it's not quite done with moderns. So for example, if I have a room full of EMs and I'm playing one Led Zeppelin song, everyone, some part of their brain is in the 70s, you know, is in that zone. But if I do the same with everyone playing moderns, they're still, they're in there, one person's in space, one person's in fantasy, one person's in whatever the theme of the game is. And it's just not quite, it's still social, but there, there's degrees. We're splitting hairs here, but this is, it, 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 there is a difference in the social experience. And another thing that EMs have that the moderns don't is that five ball game, much quicker ball times. So if you're playing a multiplayer, there's a much more movement among the players, much, much faster back and forth action. And those scores tend to stay within the same range. Whereas a modern, you could have one good ball that elevates you 20, 30, 40 billion points ahead of the next person. And you're waiting five minutes to get your turn. And you're like, oh, I'm never going to catch them on this game. So that it's already blown. But EMs, it's like this tight tug of war thing. It's always, it's always within reach and it's always kind of maybe one turn away. And so everyone's attention is, is focused and is still in, in, involved and engaged in the game. So. So the sounds of an EM and also the dynamics of the quick ball times um, make it a more a higher level of social exchange for that reason. That's that's my finding. Okay. What do you think about that, Tony? When we first brought this topic up before we started recording, I was like, eh, I listened to my music. But the way you described it, it actually makes sense. It's when you're I think it works better, like you said, with the EMs, because they're all there, everything is because of the shared dynamic. I think that makes a lot of sense because it's kind of like if you walk into an area, because obviously there's not a lot of areas around here that I've been in where there's just lots of EMs to, to get the feel. But it's like if you walk into like the slot for the slot machine section of a casino, They've all got the same kind of sounds going. Everything's going the same. And everything, even though it's a lot of stuff going on, there's still a harmony to it. Where when you walk in and everybody's playing pinball machines, but they're all on different machines, it's like, oh, yeah, I hear the Beatles playing over here. Mm -hmm. And there's Willy Wonka over here. And there's Elvis over there. And it, it, it doesn't mesh the same way. And I, I, I can actually see where you're coming from that with the right machines, with everything sounding the same, even though it's all the different sounds at different times and all over each other, it all melds together into a nice thing that kind of brings everything together that you don't get with modern machines. I actually think you've got a point here. I think you have a point. I don't agree with it. Not wholly, at least. I think this is one of the best arguments I've ever heard for an advantage that electromechanical has over modern gaming. And that would be, it, was, it wasn't just the sound though. You know, you had the emphasis on the shorter ball times back when it was where you still had, roughly speaking, the idea that a game was still going to be three minutes long, but instead of three one minute balls, you're going to have, you know, five 45 second balls and it was going to keep things moving. And I agree with that, that that does keep it moving. One of my least favorite things about playing Modern games competitively, especially long players, is they are long players. Do you really want to be in a four-player game on Lord of the Rings? It's pretty tedious because most people aren't actually going to stand there and walk because you'd be standing a really long time watching Frodo try and beat Shelob. But on the other hand, obviously the dynamics of our overall pinball market are very, very different now. If you are going for theme immersion, 
bells and chimes will never give it for give it to you. And if audio is as important as you say it is, we cannot have wild on the glass theme mm-hmm. integration with that sound package. Not possible. You mean well, that's with one person and theme one immersion machine. in general. Now you could talk about like playing Zeppelin over the PA system and getting everyone into the theme of the seventies, but that's not that has not that enough nothing to do with the pinball machine in and of itself anyway. That's no, and it's not a self contained. That's true. Right. I but, mean, but, you could but, curate the music yes. to match your like. Oh well, I play sixties music in the sixties room with the sixties pins, but that you're forcing that that doesn't have any direct thing to do with the theme. No, but that's okay because because the way you're framing it is that everything has to come from the machine like a jukebox, and that is not. My argument, mine is that it facilitates a larger sort of inc- uh, a, a larger inclusive social sort of headspace. That yes, you have to curate it as you play music over it, whatever. But everyone is included in a environment that they're they just feel a little bit that much more connected than they otherwise would in a room full of Stearns. Right, and right. that's and, I, and I don't and I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but where where I think that challenge where I take issue with the point is though that you do have a lot of pinball players that want to celebrate the theme itself and that's what modern games give them well I might be more about shots and geometry than I am about theme I understand that other people aren't going for that same reason they're going because they love Willy Wonka or they love the Beatles and they want to feel that now, maybe that's where we say well that stuff's good for the home environment and we want something different out in the social environment and we could obviously have that sort of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I think is interesting is what about when we get into that middle ground area? What if we talk between modern and EM and we start talking about the world of Fathom and the world of Space Shuttle and where are we still? We've, we don't have bells and chimes. We've got bleeps and bloops mm-hmm. and maybe some real basic sound effects. And where does that integrate in? Mm-hmm. Where the games did start to sound different, for, at least from manufacturer to manufacturer, more so than they, you know, they obviously did do a degree in the EM era as well mm-hmm. with the different bells and such. But, you know, you started to be like, oh, no, that's definitely mid-80s. Oh, no, 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 that's definitely late 70s sort of thing. Where do you feel that fits in? Or does it not? Is it like the redheaded stepchild? Well, that's a good question. It really is. Um, uh, so the electromechanicals have a human-machine connection that is... Uh, part of the experience as well that's tightly bound together. Uh, and again, I'm getting the philosophy, but if you think about everything that happens in an EM is almost like it's, it's uh, like a living um, feedback uh, system. So like every little click has a, has a, you know, you score a point, you hear a click, you see the, the real turn. There is this um, mechanical heartbeat sort of, um, that's that's actually necessitated by the the score motor. The score motor itself sets the rhythm that they're all kind of set to. So if you have five thousand points, it's ding 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 ding. One did three five. This is going to reset and it's going to run. Da, 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 da. There is this rhythmic component that's built into the literally the CPU of the game that everything is metered out to. That beat, like the beat of a story, the beat of a theater play, the, the beat of the game, feeds into the the player experience. Whereas the early solid states. Uh, they don't have a heartbeat. It's more of a, you know, 2,000 points, eat, you know, there, there you go, eat, whatever. Um, but that is still something I think that, that everyone can connect with because I think once you get into soundtracks, once you get into music, and once you get into uh, kind of 
callouts that have like voices that are that are uh, really extensive. I think that starts to partition your attention away from the group and more towards it being more like a video game. And that that also was happened with the advent of technology. You know, as our games pinball machines became less mechanical and more electronic and computer based. Uh, it's kind of siphoning off our attention and monopolizing it in the way that our phones are doing today. It's just uh, we make our tools, you know, and then our tools make us. And so is it that our the form of our pinball machines is following its function? So I guess, the, and they don't have to do that. That's the thing. I think that's what Denisi figured out with Total Nuclear Annihilation is that he created a modern machine with a um, that has a, a techno heartbeat. So it's almost like an artificial heart, you know, instead of a mechanical one that's turning that, you know, that, that beat. And it affects people differently when they play that game. They, they kind of go into the TNA zone, you know, they, well, they kind of. They did give you know, it a speaker <clears throat> to overpower all the other modern. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have, I mean, while I do have one, we mm-hmm. have one in a, uh, what, what are we up to now? 13 game collection at 403 Club. You hear TNA or oh, yeah. everything. Doesn't matter how many mm-hmm. players there are. And it's fine. Yeah, and it's fine. not like they it. have it yeah. turned mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So imagine if a whole room was full of games that had a techno pulse to it. Uh, would people be connected? I think, I, I guess I'd have to experience it. Would they all be too layered? Would be too much bass going on? I mean, like, do you want, I don't know. Um, um, but audio is the, is the sense that kicks around in your head more and longer than, uh, you know, like when you watch a horror movie and you hear, you know, somebody, being ground up or whatever, it's like the sound of it sticks with you longer than what you see, you know, because you just, ugh. Mm. and so, so, so those, those audio environments we were creating with our pinball machines kind of affect how we connect with one another. So I guess that's really, so yeah, so those early 80s machines are interesting. They, they had uh, droners. I don't know if you remember, like Hot Doggin mm. and Flash, these games that yes. Uh, yes. they just, and they kind of build, you know, like Meteor does that too. That yeah, yeah. And a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, and I wondered yeah. if they, those were done. I always assumed they were done deliberately to invoke anxiety. Yeah, it's to up the pressure and to make you go uh, and like maybe lose your ball or whatever. But I think those are neat. Those have their own kind of life to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's interesting. I if you have a room full of ballets, old ballets, is it more or less? sort of social than EMs. Um, I do think EMs, because of their reactive, because everything is just by its form, is um, it gives you feedback. Every little click, every little pop, every little relay, every, the, the rhythmic of the motor itself is this gives you the strongest sort of kinetic, haptic connection with what's happening inside of your game. The game you're playing as well as how it's working inside. You know, it's literally the most gives the most sort of kinetic feedback. Um, and so that, that enhances it a little bit. Um, but yeah, with Scott Denisi's uh, TNA, we could design games, modern games, that are a return to form, that have, maybe it's the tech, maybe techno music is the, the pulse of it. But um, it could be stripped down, not be so call-out, sound effect-based, and more... Uh, uh, atmospheric and have um, maybe goals that build on game to game or something like that, or maybe even games that can goals that can jump from one game to another. Who knows? Um, but that, yeah, that social aspect. I think 
we got to be careful as we move forward that if our pinball machines are just too creating this bubble around each player and then excludes everyone else outside of it, then it's really kind of a glorified, at least socially, kind of just look like a glorified video game on phone app. Um, that's way more talking on the subject than I probably intended well, to put it. In, was, but, it was you know, your talk. No, you I will. The, you did insert back when you introduced it and you were going through your arguments on the, the social aspect of EM. I will take one other issue, though. It wasn't an audio one, so I didn't want to raise it originally. I do not agree with your statement that EMs keep the scores close together and moderns do not. That is completely dependent on the style of the EM and many a bonus-heavy game that required you to do the thing and the thing did not reset. If you didn't do it on ball one, you never could catch up to the person who did. But see, EMs have enough randomness in them that... um, See, I could beat... Steve, I mean, uh, Keith Elwin on an EM. I can probably never beat him on a, yeah, but a that, modern. You know, that, and, that's not inherently that the score, the scoring somehow had less uh, de- variance. Broadly speaking, that, that's just completely dependent on the game. So if it's a game where you just make shots and you get points for the shots, I agree with you. If it's a game where you have to hit particular lit things, do those things reset? Can you grind at them ever again? Or is it something that you need to do it, and then once you've done it, the only thing left is a 10-point option, and there are games like that as well that use them in Pinburg, and it's like, okay, well, if you got the thing on ball one, you now have an advantage, because did that carry over on, is it a one-player, you gotta remember, these could include single players, are those bonuses carrying over from ball to ball? I agree that it's less common, it's, but I don't yeah. want people to think that EMs somehow are inherently score-balanced, because they are not. But what happened differently, I feel, in the modern era is the advent of software programming to allow almost rubber banding became the Mario Kart syndrome of the blue shell. What Gottlieb Premier was renowned for. Let's give give mystery awards that are essentially catch-up features. And they weren't the only ones to do it. I know everyone loves to throw Premier under the bus, but let's not forget Bally Williams and Bugs Bunny and the score swapping at the end. Oh, man, that's so ridiculous. Or Police Force is a perfectly good single-player game. As soon as you go multiplayer, it's like, what's going on on Ball 3? Oh, crap. That's what's going on. Well, uh, no, I was just a simple sound of agreement. So uh, let's let's just say that uh, I, I created this a while ago. Um, if if sounds don't make a difference, imagine Joker Poker. You've played Joker Poker, I mean, oh, you, of did, course. You know, Joker. To many, it's the greatest uh, system one that got we did. Yeah, though you assured me. Also, there's the EM. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like the solid state version. I do. But would it be a better game if uh, it sounded like this? Um, Shoot the ball! <laughs> oh, you got the king! Oh, ow! Oh my goodness! Bonus, bonus, and then, and then, and then finally, <laughs> it'll never end. <laughs> people know. are crashing the cars right now. Yes, <laughs> no, people are dying. Stop it! They drain the ball. Oh no! <laughs> we apologize for those with headphones on. That's actually surprisingly similar to Jack's to open, which we did not turn on when we went downstairs. <laughs> So a lot of those, yeah, 88 to about 92, those those games in that period have these insane clinky-dinky soundtracks that are just, just over the Desperate top. Desperate attempt to compete with video games. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's yeah. 
I, that's what I assume. That was always my guess, is that that's what it well, was. Well, that's what they were losing market share to. Right. So what do you do? You emulate your competition. And that's right? about the only way they could emulate it. And quite frankly, I mean, I don't think there's any argument that those sounds are better than bells and chimes. Bells and chimes are always no, better. I, bells and chimes, I mean, while I've devil's advocated a degree of it, I'm, I'm trying to, th- I'm thinking about pinball very holistically about like, You've got you've got different sectors sectors that didn't exist in the seventies. Right, it used to just be something you went on location and played casually. There weren't tournaments, there weren't private collect not of note. And now we've got private collectors who want high end games. You've got high level competitive players. You've got people who go out and play socially, uh, and all sorts of weird mixes in between. And they all want different experiences. I mean, I mean, obviously it's like a Venn diagram. They're overlapping mm-hmm. circles, but it's not like how it used to be. But regardless of that, if you stick in the sound effect of bells or chimes and many a movie maker does it with a modern game and then just overlays a sound effect of the EM era, you know instantly what that is. Even if you never grew up with pinball, you know what that is. And that's pretty powerful to say that that sound is so iconic. What is the end of our intro music? But when I told the Fiverr sound guy who was doing my sound, I said, yeah, we do video games, but I also would like some pinball sounds in there. What did he stick in? Well, I was like, sounds like pinball to me. Yeah. Because yeah, nothing else right. quite sounds like it. That's why Bagatelle people, sure don't. <laughs> that's why people play Time Machine. They want to get to the 1950s yes, and activate yes. those chimes. It's the most common know? thing I hear about people mm-hmm. like about car hop. From Premiere. Oh, it's got chimes in it? it it's got, it's got a, uh, that or a bell, or bells or something mm. where you can go, you can put it into 50s mode and you can hear uh-huh. it. Yeah. And fire, same thing. That, that bell that at the bell, top. A terrible yeah. game. Yeah. A fun yeah. bell. But, yeah. Little bell. So I don't know. Maybe I'm. The maybe bell I'm, and Black yeah. Knight. That's not like a fire alarm. But still. <laughs> oh, that's true. Black Knight's got one. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so I would say people probably, uh, I don't know if we have any other topics, but just to, that was all you know, of them. definitely turn your, turn your tourists into players. And a That's good, right. a good way to do that is to, is to fascinationify mm. your it's an lineup of games. I'll the, be curious if, if anyone reaches out and feel free to reach out at collectorgamerspodcast.gmail.com. If any of you, you know, route, uh, and, you try something, a game show concept, be it fascination or this gives you an idea to do something else. I don't know how you do pinball jeopardy, but maybe there's a way involving the machines. Yeah. I mean, but, just anything to get that kind of yeah. interaction going more than even just tournament play. Cause even in tournament play, it's the interactions a lot tighter. It's not Cause tight. most of the stuff I have seen that tries to drive people to play pinball has been high score challenges, but it's often been more on the, you know, they do it in a way, like selfie way. Mm-hmm. Take a picture and win a beer mug sort of stuff. Yes. Or like how selfie leagues were, which started with a noblest and enough intent. People are trying to find ways to play competitive pinball when they didn't have to fit it to a schedule. But it's also extremely asocial. Do you guys use the Pindigo app? I do. I yeah, took, I've got it and I've put scores on it. Okay. I like it because it keeps track of my high scores. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. And I do go in and I look at other people in my friends list and, and see and, you know, try and make sure they're not beating me. And then if they do, I put my game on easy. <laughs> <laughs> I assume they did five balls, so I'm still better. That's my logic. That's my logic. Don't try. All right. Actually, I try and write, well, I don't know if I need to. I try and put my conditions in the note so people know what I played under. Because, again, 
It's mostly be- it's mostly useful for preparing against myself if I know I'm playing some machine. Right. But it's still neat to see what people do and what they can achieve. But there's an app called PinQuest that's come out, which is oh. trying to, which is what sabotaged me regarding that market trim segment for buying market trim shirts. And that is an idea of someone who thought, if I create this tool that vendors can buy into and use my app where they can, people can go to their location and put up a high score, they submit that and get it verified and submit it through this app. And then that can be used as their evidence to get prizes. But it's all for the individual to do it by themselves. It's not designed to encourage. I mean, it encourages a social interaction. It's it's to drive market, really. It's to drive quarters. It's not to drive social interaction between players. Mm -hmm. Because everyone gets to do it on their own time. Which is the same thing as the selfie league. It's everyone gets to do it on their own time. That's the whole idea behind the the selfie league. It wasn't, you know, selfie leagues weren't devised so that people wouldn't interact, but more so that it's like, I mean, Tony and I have never played in the league here. Uh, for the longest time, oh, yeah. the league has been, was, was on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. and I cannot justify driving 30 minutes one way to do something that'll be at least two hours if I have to get up before six. Yeah, I, I wake up at four every morning. Now, and they have responded. They now try and do events at seven in the morning. So, and I heard their numbers are much better now that they've offered that. You know, choice is powerful. Mm-hmm. But if you offer too many time slots, then everyone's going to be by themselves and it's not going to be social at all. And that would kind of defeat the purpose of their league. So I never ask them to make time changes because I don't think they should be accommodating around me. They need to do what's most popular. I do know nine wasn't most popular. That was more driven, I think, by the people who organized it found that most convenient. Right. But that's something you have to factor in too, because who's going to do the work to organize it? Because that ain't no nothing. Yeah. I have a, I have somebody working uh, on our team who is, thank goodness is, uh, he's got a match play events, you know, savviness and he's, a, mm. he's a pinball guy. Uh, um, and uh, Ben, he's, he's, he's put together the Roanoke pinball league.com, which I recommend um, at least adding to your bookmarks because we will be doing IFPA tournaments soon. We have done some local tournaments. They have not been IFPA yet, but we're about to get into that. And we're about to also start up a uh, local leagues. But my goal is to um, try to make a critical mass of social um, a, a social experience that has a, a high engagement level. Try and not really do the selfie, do your own thing, but really uh, be a glorious experiences with you know that economic motivator of winning something or maybe even betting what you've won on another challenge or you know like having bystanders and announcements and and prizes and engagement, and people watching, maybe even stream it. You know, like just to create. Um, kind of that experience we used to have, you know, we were kids, we go to the skating rink, you know, and then spin the wheel and maybe you'd win something and everybody would be like, Ooh, maybe it's going to be me. And, and that, that hope of winning something. I, I'm just, I'm seeing some energy, uh, at the museum that I have not seen in a long time. And people are really hungry for it in this era of, you know, loneliness, smartphones, just kind of pulling away all of our attention. And this is, it just seems to have all the right combination of um you know pinball is kind of like you said it was uh arcades were not places you wanted your kids to go back in the day they were really kind of people smoke and drink and just kind of you know here's your quarters kid and just hang on they were not really family places but now um you know 
we have new technology, but yet we still have these old games that we can keep running and kind of use them in new, interesting ways. So that's kind of what I'm um, experimenting with at the museum. And I think, I, I don't know, I see something here that um, could be become something kind of special. So uh, I'll keep you guys updated as to Good. what's going on with that. Well, yeah, that's definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah, we wish you the best of luck. And it sounds like things have been going well, so... Yes, mm-hmm. keep us informed. And those who want to follow along, we well now that Verona Pinball is a sponsor, I have it embedded in the uh, hey. in the episode yep. of the show <laughs> notes. But but uh, RonoPinball.org is your main website, mm-hmm. so people can go there to always find out about the latest happenings. If you're out on the East Coast, because of course the East Coast is all really really close to Roanoke, well, they, you should go to the Roanoke Pinball Museum, mm-hmm. which is in Roanoke, Virginia. Not to be confused with the other Roanokes, just in case. That's right. How many other Roanokes? I don't know. There? I was okay. I was warned that it's important to stress that's in Virginia. It's in Roanoke, Virginia. It is. Roanoke, now Virginia. Now I've got to look. There's yeah. one immediately east of or west of, um, like, in the DFW area. There's a Roanoke, Texas. So uh, You're definitely not at that one. No. And I get asked that sometimes. Oh, you're back. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I mean, no. like, I could see, like, Springfield confusing people. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway. Uh, now, for those that are confused that want to reach out to us, I gave the email address. But, again, that's Podcast at gmail.com. We're also at facebook.com slash Podcast. We're available on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. Yeah. And that's it. We'll actually be back in a week. Because we have to get back on the regular schedule because I record another podcast this weekend anyway. So I assured them this would not cut in. I'll still do both. There was concern. They're like, why are you doing this weird podcast? I'm, like, I'm not telling you. You have to wait. You have to wait. You have to wait. It's interesting. That's all I'm saying. It's interesting. So I, you know, I had someone reach out because they were, you know, they're gathering. One of the other podcasts is actually gathering other audio and they were, they contacted me and it was like, are you sending anything in? And I said, no, I, I'm, I wasn't planning to this year. And they're like, why? And it's like, well, I'm actually recording a lot of other stuff right now and I have no heart to do it. <laughs> because I was just like, I have been having to keep redoing my little ad plugs because I don't like how I'm, how they're coming across. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm putting some time. Don't, don't be interested. This first one is the worst one because it's the most new one. But anyway, uh, until then, that's Nick. And that's you guys. That's hey. right. Hey. <laughs>